With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Hi, and thanks for joining me for this episode of Understanding Business. This is utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station, and I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Well, today I want to share with you an interview that I conducted with Kimberly Guilfoy. Now, Kimberly is a Fox News anchor, and she's also the author of Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. Now, some of you might know that Kimberly is an attorney and was a very successful prosecutor prior to joining the Fox News team. And so we're going to talk to her today about her book, what lessons we can learn and how it can help us make our own case. And she's going to talk a little bit about her family history and uh, basically how she was able to develop the skills that made her such a successful attorney and entrepreneur and now, of course, author. Uh, But before we do, I just want to bring your attention to something that I think is extremely important, and that is post-traumatic stress disorder in our veterans today. Now, you know, we cannot really underestimate the impact that PTSD has on soldiers. You know, these men and women, the, the protecting our freedom, they are witness to sometimes horrible things and they come back from a combat zone and they have post-traumatic stress disorder and you know it's not something that we can look at and say oh it'll go away you know a lot of these these vets need some treatment some help to help them get over the post-traumatic stress disorder it's a real thing I mean, we see it in the movies all the time we read it in the newspaper but I think that it's it's so easy to overlook when you're not the combat veteran suffering from it. And I think it's really important that we do all we can to support programs that will provide funding for PTSD in our in our veterans. And now, you know, one such program that that I would really hope you'd take a look at is a program that uh, it has been sort of kicked back by the U.S. Postmaster. It's kind of amazing. You see, what's going on is that veterans have asked the United States Postmaster to support new fundraising efforts for veterans by issuing a stamp called Stamp Out PTSD. And surprisingly, the U.S. Postmaster said no. And, you know, in this past this past July, 56 members of Congress wrote to the Postmaster. Now, this is members of Congress. And again, The postmaster said no. They said that they were afraid a new stamp would hurt sales on existing semi-postals. And, you know, I think that all of us believe that the United States Postal Service should be a part of a solution to help our nation's heroes who are suffering with PTSD. And you can do that by signing this petition 
all you have to do is go to stampoutptsd.com and you'll be able to sign the petition. I think it is so important that you know we take a minute to give back to those men and women who have served us, who have allowed us to have this, this freedom that we have, to have podcasts, to have radio shows, to conduct interviews, to talk about basically whatever we want. And I think that it's only right that we give back to them by um, signing this petition. So I encourage you, please, to go to stampoutptsd.com and sign the petition. All right, now let's get into the interview with Kimberly. I want to thank you for being on the show today and for writing the book, Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. Fantastic. Well, I'm so happy to be on your show, and I'm happy to uh, discuss the book and hope that some of the principles and ideas in it can really benefit people in their life. You know, what excites me about this book is that making the case is really meant for everybody. It's meant for the business owner, for the entrepreneur, employees, stay-at-home moms, kids in school. It really is, um, in my opinion, one of the best legally influenced books because it's so down-to-earth and practical. You actually can pick it up, read it, and learn something about how to make your life better by being your own advocate. Yeah, I mean, I really, yes, I really wanted to, um, you know, write this book to help people because the things that I've been through in my life, um, some of them, you know, unique, some of them incredibly relatable. I thought perhaps some of the stories, and because I was very revealing in the book, that it could help people to understand what's going on in their life and to try to strive to achieve more. Yeah, you know, I think that you have such a fascinating life in general. I think a lot of people see you on Fox News. And, and maybe they don't know some of your backstory and don't know that, you know, you weren't just handed success in life, that you had to struggle, you had to work for it, and, you know, you built what you have today out of hard work and advocating for yourself. And one of the things I like most about you is that before you went to law school, before you became a lawyer and, and you know, learned or studied some of the principles that you learn in school about uh, litigating and advocating for yourself, you were doing it well before you went into law school. Yes, that's absolutely true, and I'll get a little bit, um, you know, into that, because what happened is, you know, the book is called Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. The genesis of the book is how I was raised by my mother and my father, and in particular, after I lost my mother to leukemia, I was nine when she was diagnosed and 11 when she ultimately passed away. My dad saw a little girl that was um, shy, that had talent and ability, but had a big broken heart. He didn't want that moment to define me for the rest of my life. Yes, to make me stronger as part of my fabric and of my chapters and my human experience. But he said, you know, how can I help and continue on with the lessons that her mother taught her and how she was raising her, but also make her stronger and and better, um, help to heal her. So he really wanted to take an approach that I would be able to stand on my own two feet, that I would be able to make the case for myself, whatever it was that I was facing or needed to achieve in life. So it came down to even simple things like if I needed permission to go do something, a school event or function or wanted to get something or be part of a group or try out for a sport, he's like, you know, make your case to me, go to your room, put down all your facts, your arguments, all the good, you know, the reasons why you want me to say, you know, yes, and grant you permission. Come back to my room, he said, and then I want you to make your case. Don't ever be afraid of the no. The worst thing that could happen is that I 
say, you know, no, you can't do it, but maybe you can figure out how to turn it into a yes. And at least you know that you've asked, that you've put it out there, that you didn't shy away because you were afraid of, you know, failure or rejection or just afraid of hearing a word. He said, don't ever live your, you know, your life like that. What you've been through is probably one of the worst things that could happen to you. Anything else you're going to be able to handle. You can certainly handle asking a question or trying to put yourself out there to do something. And he was right. Right. Now, you know, what's interesting, you know, your father, what was his background? How did he develop those skills, if you know, to get you to the point of, of being able to, uh, you know, face that fear and go out and ask those questions and present your case? Well, my father grew up in Ennis County, Clare, Ireland. He came, you know, to this country as an immigrant, and he started to work in uh, construction, you know, with his uncles. But he started working very early as a child in a blacksmith shop in in Ireland, probably at, you know, young age, a uh, child, and working on farms, um, you know, nine and ten years old, and then going on from there. So he really was also the head of his family, the head of, uh, you know, six uh, kids. So he was basically the person that was, you know, kind of in charge and taking care of everybody. He had to go through a terrible time when his mother was very sick and was in the hospital for a long time, and his dad was away in uh, London in working to send money back to the family. And my dad took care of five other kids so he always had a sense of responsibility and of purpose and uh, you know maturity and focus and drive so he kind of was one of those natural born leaders he's also a tremendous um, you know people person he was very involved in San Francisco in politics they called him the godfather but in a good way um, he <laughs> would bring groups and people you know together um, you know and that was really evidence at the time when he you know passed away Thanksgiving night uh, five years ago but um he's just you know he was just a powerful influence and he was the greatest coach of my life by far and i know other people would say that about him as well that you know he was the greatest coach for them so um it was just something when you have that kind of special gift of being relatable and understanding people and bringing out the best that's the thing he saw the best in people like how to like tap into your skills, your ability, what's special about you. So that's right. um, that's what happened. I had the benefit of that experience, and not everyone can have Tony Guilfoyle as a dad, so I shared him <laughs> with everyone. Yeah, and it's really important because you can see how, for those those people out there who know you and have followed your career, um, you know, back when you were on Court TV and moving forward to where you are today, people know, you know, that, that you really practice what you preach, and that's what's so great about the book because now you're sharing that information with everyone. Now, what inspired you to write this book? I mean, you're on TV, you're a personality, you've got a big personality. Why write a book? What was the purpose of it? You know, I just, I really was getting so many questions of so many people emailing, writing, calling. I mean, today I'll talk to three people um, <clears throat> that I've set up appointments with to try and help them with their life and to, what they're going through and to try and you know, get them going in the right direction. So whether it was even colleagues of myself, you know, fans out there, viewers, listeners, um, people who have known me my whole life, they're like, all I kept hearing was, you've got to write a book. You've got to write a book. You've, you can help so many people. And my parents always said to me, you know, don't make this life about you. It's about other people. And so I said, okay, this is it. I've got to do this. As busy as I am, I've got to put aside the time because I just, you know, if anybody can be helped by some of the things I'm saying in this book and I make their life a little bit easier, a little bit better, their family relationship better, their understanding to know that someone cares, that someone's gone through it, uh, relatable about even caring for aging parents, like all the things that I did to become, you know, a lawyer, to get to law school, to then 
transition to a great you know career coming out of law school to then reinvent myself from being a prosecutor to be you know a, a person a journalist working in TV today and hosting a very popular show i just want to show people that paths and different changes are possible you know and so um it, that that's what i do you know so i'll be speaking to a group of young people tonight actually to at the um uh, Women's Republican Center. I'll be speaking to the young Republicans of Manhattan and addressing them tonight and talking about some of these principles. So I, I like to help people and I like to reach out. I like to penetrate, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's it's so important because, you know, one of the things that I've identified as a problem in today's modern world really is that so many people just take such a passive approach to life. They They sit back and they wait for things to happen to them instead of going out and making things happen for themselves. And then when things, you know, don't fall into place, they blame everyone else. Well, you know, they were lucky or they had this or they had more money. But it's really not about that. It's about pushing and moving forward. So talk a little bit, if you will, about, you know, the difference between people that just take that that passive, let's sit back and those that are go getters. Yeah, there's um, there's a, a phrase called like driving the bus. Meaning when in television and recently when I was on The View, you know, a friend of mine said to me, KG, you're going to go on there, man. He goes, drive the bus. Meaning take, you know, take charge, like be there. Don't just sit there and be passive. Go on, know what you want to say, get it out there, like drive the bus. And I think you need to be like that in life. Drive your bus. You know, don't sit in the back and, like, hope that it's going to be a good journey or a good ride. Like, what can you do to make sure you hit all the stops or to make sure that you're in control, you know, so to speak, you know, of your destiny? You really can. Like, I always tell people, God helps those who help themselves. Like, you can't just sit and think that once you get a degree that somebody's going to drive up in, like, the awesome job bus and say to you, hey, look, I've got this amazing job and you're going to work on Park Avenue and you're going to get all these benefits and you're going to get a great apartment and everything's going to be amazing amazing in your life. Well, you know what? That can happen, but if you make it happen, and that's what I try and tell people, because otherwise sometimes you see people that are like sleepwalking through life, you know, and one day turns into a week, turns into a month, into years, and they're like, oh, I'm so unhappy. Like, why don't I have a good job? My job's terrible. I don't like people I work with, or, oh, I don't make enough money. Well, do something. What are you doing about it? Like, that's what I say to people. I'm like, what are you doing to change it? I mean, is there something else you would like to do? Is there something else you're good at? You know, and, and I do believe that if people are doing something that they feel good about when they go to bed at night and they wake up in the morning, that they can monetize it and be successful and create good outcomes for themselves and for their families. You know, and I tell young people that are, you know, in even high school or people going to college or even people like in law school, you know, you're going to get this great degree. You have some of the best law schools, you know, in the world in this country. Um, You can do a tremendous amount of different things that are super exciting with a law degree. But you have to decide what it is you like. I was already doing internships in high school, in college, you know, at the DA's office, in private practice in firms. Even if you're shadowing people or getting a mentor, something to expose yourself to help shape your mind and your idea about what it is you want to do with your life. Right? I mean, that's a good idea. That shows also then you can put down and put together some kind of resume. It's like, hey, I did an internship at this office. I was able to say I was at the Yolo County District Attorney's Office working in consumer fraud and business affairs like at a young age. So people didn't think I just was looking for a job. I was somebody that already had like job and internship experience already even going into applying for law school. Right? 
So the, yep. if you're looking at me and you're looking at someone else, you're like, wow, this is somebody that is serious about what she wants to do. She's putting her money where her mouth is, and she's trying to make it happen. That That's a big deal. To me, I think that's very important. It's significant. Um, yep. And, you know, it was to my employers because I put the package together. I know what I'm going to say before I go in. I know the, the like, couple bullet points that I'm going to hit, and that's what I tell people about. So whether you're preparing for, like, closing arguments or trying to close a deal or trying to get a promotion or trying to, you know, get a job, all of these principles can be applied. You dress the part. You know what you're going to say. You know, you don't ask questions that you don't know the answer to. How many times have we gone into job interviews like, do you have any questions for me? Come up with a question ahead of time, but you should know the answer already. You ask the question, right? They give you the answer, and then you can ask an intelligent, thought-out follow-up question because you have already dictated the flow in the conversation. That's like driving the bus, not sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm so, what are they going to ask me? Or what if they ask me if I have a question? What am I, you know, like pull it together. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and that's what I see. I see people just like walking around like, oh, hope something good happens to me. Well, you know, something that you said earlier is interesting. And you were talking about the fear of no. Let's talk for a second about fear in general and th this idea. I mean, you are a very confident person, or at least you come across that way. You know, and, and sure. how is it that people who are filled with fear, you know, afraid to ask for an internship, afraid to ask for a promotion, afraid to change career paths, what can you tell them about fear and how they can develop a level of confidence? Right. So, you know, we're all afraid of certain things, right? Some people some people are like afraid of afraid of no, afraid of spiders, afraid of no. who knows? But you've got to like get control of your mind in general, in life, because believe me, we all have problems where we get in our own head and it's not a good a good feeling or experience, especially when it's negative, no negative town. Like I try and like get out of negative town and think about how can I turn this around? How can I change course or direction? I coach and talk to myself, like in my head, to make sure right. that I'm not, you know, like defeating myself before I even try and put myself out there. I always talk about my dad did living a life of no regret. So then when I'm sometimes feeling a little bit like, oh, God, should I do this? What do I do? What do I do? Um, I say, all right, I'm going to do it because no regrets. No regrets. It's like a little mantra because I don't want to at the end of my life say, oh, my God, I wish I had tried or I had applied or I had done this or I had done that. And like, for me, you know, it's like when I, I talk about the big blackout in uh, New York um, in October 2003, and I came, went in and pitched this guy. You know, Henry Scheif was the head of Core TV for the job when I knew Ricky Kleeman was moving to L.A. Um, because Bill Bratton, her husband, was taking the top cop job there. Um, I walked all the way. There was no cars. And I got into Core TV, and I went up to the secretary because I was waiting. I was supposed to do Cat the Catherine Carr's show. And this is when I was trying to transition from prosecutor and work in television. I tried a high-profile case, dog mulling case, San Francisco, got a lot of yep. different job offers ultimately. But this was a job at Anchory, not just doing legal analysis. So this was going to be a game changer for me. And I got into his office by saying, hey, I wanted to say hi and thanks. You know, I'm leaving for back to San Francisco, California. I don't know when I'll be able to be back again. I want to take this moment to thank Mr. Sly for, you know, letting me on and have me on his programs. Well, one, that's all I needed. I needed to be able to get in the door. Once I got in the door, then I laid it out. And we started talking. It came up. And then I made the pitch. And, you know, I ended right. up getting the job. Now, imagine if I didn't do that. Wouldn't be here in New York. Wouldn't be having an amazing job at, you know, Fox News. 
co-hosting the five, doing all of this. I mean, right. this is somebody, you know, brand new to parents of the country, like trying, scrapping anything I could to, to make it happen in life. But I did it, you know, but that, only through hard work. you got to work hard. you got to take yeah, chances. I think so many people forget that. They see people who have built successful careers and lives, and they forget the fact that they had to work hard to get there. And you got to work the steps, like, you know, yeah. really you do, to, like, make sure and, like, take baby steps to try and get it happen. It doesn't have to happen overnight, but do something. Make a call. Go do an intern. Anything you can to get yourself some exposure or to move the ball a little bit forward. I talk about moving to the X, moving on target. Set your goal. Put some stuff down on paper, and then you go to it. That, that's the best way to approach it. And, you know, I want to talk for a second about what you just mentioned, going into court TV that day. You did not go in there without a plan. You knew what you were going to do. You knew what you were going to present and say. You didn't just go in there haphazardly. You know, and that could be a problem for a lot of people who are going to take that next step to do something, yet they don't come in with a plan. Yeah, you have to have a plan. I mean, look, I used to try all my closing arguments without notes. Why was I able to do that? Because I had a plan, because I was extremely prepared. I had taken down, written notes, pulled it all together, knew what I was going to say and how I would lay the story out, okay? So by the time I got in front of that jury, I knew it. I owned it. I was the story, and I didn't want my notes or this and that looking down to get away in, in the way of the connection with the jury. So my point is, I had a plan when I went in to see that CEO. He's an extremely busy man. I needed to be able to know exactly what I was going to say, hit a couple of big bullet points about my story, um, and to be relatable. Like, what, what, are, what have I seen in the past that's been impactful or that worked when I was in interviews or I met with people or I saw them have, like, some kind of demonstrable reaction or connection or seemed interested by something I had said? So, you know, I did it like that. Like, I knew that, okay, right. this works for me. And you have a couple things prepared, and you hit those. Um, and I've seen people do that that have come to me um, in interviews or positions to be an intern or to be an associate producer. Um, you can tell. And you can tell the people that come in, they're dressed right, they, seem, you know, they have a certain amount of respect for the position, a desire, they have the experience, they're well prepared. Don't go into an interview or do something and not have a copy of your resume or your references. I mean, my God, don't make the person that you're asking for something do the work. You do right. the work. You follow right. up. You know, write a thank you note. Like, be professional. Yep. Now, let's talk for one second about your take on, on being an advocate for yourself. What is it and why is it so important? You know, it's so important because you, when you, you know, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, you're like, am I doing something that I enjoy and that I feel good about as a person? If you're not, then you need to really like rethink and start to come up with a different approach. And when I, when I get up every day, I'm the one that has to make it happen. I'm the one that has to bring them the paycheck. I'm the one that has to, you know, follow through and be organized. So I can't sit there and always be looking to other people to solve the problems in my life or create personal happiness or professional success. And the minute you start to take ownership over your own life, over your own destiny, the happier you're going to be, the more you're going to feel like you're in control of it and doing something instead of waiting for other people to do it for you. It's actually quite freeing because then it's like you're, like I said, you're driving the bus. It's not someone else, and you're just like a passenger in life. That's right. just no way to be. Right. 
Now, in your book, you give not only some backstory about some of your struggles in your life and, and, and apply the practical steps, but <clears throat> we talked a second ago about, you know, some of the ideas about, you know, never asking a question that you don't know the answer to and, and having information prepared. Um, I don't want to give away the book because I really do think it's something that everybody should pick up and read, but can you give some advice to our listeners about right now how they could do something to change their lives by being their own advocate, you know, following uh, some of your approaches. Yeah, I mean, I think like even today, somebody could sit there and put a you know piece of paper, a pad, and a pen, and write down some of the goals and things you want to achieve in your life. And it might be this. It might be like, I want to have a better marriage, or I want to find someone to be with in my life, or it could be I want to... Um, you know, have a better job, or I really would like to have a promotion, or, you know, maybe I'd like to move to a different office, whatever it is, put put it down, and then write like five or six things down that you think would help you achieve that goal. And then I think you need to set a timetable for when you would like to achieve it. Is it six months? Is it three months? Is it a year goal? That type of thing. Um, you know, so if it's something that, oh, you know, I want to change a career, and I, then start doing the research or see what it is you might want to do. Talk to your friends and and family and uh, kind of like troubleshoot with them, brainstorm and say, is there something that you think as you perceive me that I might be interested in or do you have some tips or ideas? Like one of the biggest things is you can't be afraid to ask for help or advice or especially from people that you trust and that you respect. They may have some good ideas. I mean, I've gotten some of my best ideas about things from people who told me, Kimberly, we really think you'd be good in television. You sh- you belong there. You should be doing something about it. You sh- you know, and I'm like, wow. So sometimes you hear things and you start to believe it. So I think that's good. If it doesn't generate from yourself, ask people that you trust and surround yourself with people that are positive, that aren't going to be jealous or bring you down or take you down or find the problem or the no with everything. You know, kind of be around people that are successful, that are trying to do something with their life, because that's a good influence. Adults need good influences, too, not just kids, you know. So I think that's that's something that's important. And, you know, have the support of your family or spouse um, in what you're doing, you know, so that you're just not operating in your own universe, but, you know, have consideration for those that some of the changes you might be wanting to make in your life, you know, how would it impact them and kind of bring them in so they feel participatory and supportive that it's a team effort. I think that's helped in different situations if you're not somebody who's, you know, single. And then for those of you who are single or looking for love, like, do something about it. Put yourself out there. I mean, people ask me for advice about that, too. Like, Maybe get a matchmaker, maybe do a dating source, maybe ask your friends, your colleagues, or anyone that they think that you might be good with. Like, this is the type of principles that you can apply in everyday life. Like, write down who who it is, the type of person you think you're looking for, somebody with some common interests, somebody who's geographically, you know, desirable, somebody maybe you don't have to file as a dependent on your tax return. I don't know. I right. mean, I have one girlfriend, she's like, man, I want a guy who who is smart and, is, um, you know, has a retirement that, that is, like, thinking about that and has a 401k. She's like, you know, firemen, they do good things for the community, and they have a 401K. Well, every time we have, like, firemen come by the building, whatever, I'm like, there's a fireman, move on target, go after it. And it's just, like, the funniest thing. But you never know. Like, that's the point. Like, is that what's important to you, that you feel, like, a sense of security? Maybe you don't have a lot of family, and you feel like, oh, if I – 
meet somebody and get married. You want it to be somebody who's got some kind of, you know, planning for the future. I don't know. Some women find that attractive. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, know yourself. Know what's going to make you happy. Don't set yourself up for failure with um, unrealistic expectations. And don't be afraid to take baby steps because steps are steps, you know. But you try to yep. be moving forward. You know, you talk about driving the bus. I think the biggest key here is if you're going to drive the bus, you have to know where you're going, and that's yeah. the point of the plan. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. exactly. Kimberly, I want to thank you so much for the time that you've given us today. Um, there are going to be links in the show notes to uh, to Amazon where you can purchase the book. Uh, the book, again, is really something that I think everyone should pick up. If you've ever encountered a situation where you've said to yourself, oh, I wish I had done this differently, or I wish I had stood up for myself, or I wish that I didn't have this regret, this is the book for you. And if you haven't experienced those things because you're too young, read the book so that you don't experience them. So again, the book is Making the Case, How to Be Mm -hmm. Your Own Best Advocate. Uh, Kimberly, thank you so much again, and I wish you continued success with your career and with the book. All right, and I want to say thank you to everybody, too, that's purchased the book and been super supportive in the process for me writing it. It's become a national bestseller, and I couldn't have done it with all the support of the people that believe in me. So thank you very much for having me on your program. You're very welcome. We'll see you on Fox. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. We were able to get, I think, a lot of insight into what makes her tick and uh, learned a lot about the book and what sort of strategies that she employs in her life and how she was able to use those strategies that she learned at a young age to become successful as she is today. So I want to thank her again for being on the show. And I want to remind everybody one more time about the importance of signing the petition to support our veterans with PTSD. And to sign that petition, all you need to do is go to stampoutptsd.com, and you'll be able to put your name on that petition that would hopefully, hopefully get the United States Postal Service to understand, to realize that we can achieve fundraising goals by creating a stamp called the Stamp Out PTSD to honor veterans. Otherwise, you know, we are not, I don't think we're doing the right thing by our veterans who have put their lives on the line and who suffer from, you know, this disorder for us. And I think it's only fair that we give back and we thank them. And I would encourage everybody to sign that petition again. Please go to stampoutptsd.com. All right, well, that's going to do it for today. I want to thank everybody for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And if you've not done so already, please make sure that you also subscribe to the YouTube channel. There are two different programs containing two different types of information. So if you're only subscribed to one, then you're not getting the full picture. Also, please remember to check out utlradio.com. It's our central hub. We've got links to email, phone number, website, uh, websites, um, you know, downloads. We've got uh, our social media links there. You name it, it's all there at utlradio.com. We are in the process of revamping the website, but the old website still is up and running, so check that out. Don't forget to download your free guide, the top 10 legal writing tips for non-lawyers, available at utlradio.com. And please also don't forget to share this information with your friends, family, and colleagues, and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station. I'll see you next time.